0: tools are for you to use these tools are for you to use hello welcome to this is your afterlife i am dave marr the host of this podcast where i talk to creative and imaginative people about the afterlife my guest this episode is bettina johnson who is just so cool She is one of the co-founders of Liberation Library, which is an abolitionist organization that brings books to youth in prison. And she talks a little bit more about it in the episode. But Bettina is super cool. You can find out more about Liberation Library at their website, liberationlib.com. And I also want to thank all of you who patronized the show and my work on Patreon last week after launching my first goal. You can set goals on Patreon. My first one was just to cover all of the tech costs of hosting and various like hosting my website, hosting the podcast, everything. And I need 15 patrons to do that. We got 10 in the first week, which is amazing. We're already two thirds of the way to our first goal. I especially want to thank Pigeon Level patrons Katie Llewellyn, Susie Carroll, and Kurt Chang. Thank you guys very, very much. If you join at that Pigeon Level, you will get a shout-out in every podcast I release. I'm releasing a bunch of bonus content. Last week after Angel Dawid's episode, I put out basically another episode's worth of bonus content. So you can check that out. That's all up there at patreon.com slash Dave Mar. If you've heard the show and like the show already, you can pause and go there right now. If this is your first time, hang out. I'll remind you the URL on the back end. And if you make it there, then, then we can talk. So the Patreon is a great way to support the show. Other ways, you know, the standard things, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to it in your apps, or you could do the thing that I do when I'm like obsessed with a thing where, so it it works one of two ways, right? Like on one hand, I'll keep my eyes or ears out for things that jive with my friends tastes already. And I'll be like, Oh yo, I know you like ween or whatever it is. And this particularly weenie band is going to be up your alley. Or, I will just get so obsessed with something that I start recommending it to everyone, no matter what. And my enthusiasm tends to spill over a little bit. Super recently, it's the new open Mike Eagle album. He has this song on there. The whole album is great. Anime trauma and divorce. But the, fr- one of the, the song that I got really obsessed with is, or currently I'm obsessed with is uh, WTF is self care. So I'm just so into that song that I'm sending that link to everyone hoping they like it. So what I'm saying is pick your poison with the way you want to tell people about this show. If you like it enough that you're just like, hey, if you're my friend and you like me, hopefully you'll like the show, then great. Send them a screenshot of the episode you're listening to. Send them a text. Be like, hey, I'm listening to this. I love it. I think you'll like it. Or if you have a particularly morbid, you know, emo, reflective friend who still has just enough of a sense of humor left to call themselves a comedian. Basically, if you're friends with me, if you're friends with me 10 years ago, just talk to that person directly. Be like, yo, I've got the podcast for you. So that's all I've got up top and now I've got a podcast for you. So enjoy this interview with Bettina Johnson. I grab your whip and take it back to when I'm in If someone's like, What do you what do you do? And you tell them about your dental manufacturing job and they're like, Oh, is that like is that your main thing? Or like what do you what's your work? Like, what do you care about?
1: Like that's someone's asking me that, like, what do I care about? Oh, I definitely yeah. I
0: I don't Yeah, yeah. Someone's being a little weird. I get it that it's like a little bit of a strange <laughs> person who this friend is, but they're still like yeah, but they're like interested in what you actually give. Yeah, a shit I
1: don't about. know if I would be saying my like jobby job necessarily. I would probably uplift like um I do a lot of like work focused on like community stuff. Um And know a little bit about like politics. And one of the things that I do in my free time is uh, volunteer and help sort stuff out with Liberation Library, which is a books to young people who are incarcerated or detained in the state of Illinois. Um, And the reason why we do that is because we're trying to encourage, not even encourage, but we're trying to tap into and maintain like, imagination and self-determination for young folks who are locked up. And to do that with something material, right? Um, and some to do something, like, consistently, materially that supports them, well, they're in such a horrible place. I think it's because in those situations, like, my belief, at least, is that the reason why anyone would be in that type of situation is because they've been so divested from or like not invested in at all in multiple levels right like materially and immaterially and so instead of making you know promises or highfalutin like appeals to young folks like in my opinion if we can do something that can Help them access a world or worlds of their choosing. Like they're choosing books, right? And when you read a book, you're almost transported. Like just think about how, you know, when you're really enraptured in a book, you like aren't on the couch anymore. You're like transported into that world. Um, So, like offering that type of opportunity um, to a young person to tell us what worlds they want and then doing our best to like get those books to them and have it be like a physical. I think that it's important that it's a physical like token of, you know, we care about you, we're thinking of you. We want you to like have your imagination still stimulated, if that makes sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like a physical anchor. Yeah, there's there's something about like symbols and and talisman yeah it's or like
1: something. physical I mean I really like physical books I know that folks use tablets and stuff now but there's just and maybe it's because I was uh like this is like harkening back to you know when we were younger and we didn't have tablets and I I still struggle like reading too much like on screens and stuff um mm-hmm. but there's something about like finishing a book and then like closing it and then I have to like look at it you know uh, no, no. <laughs> um because it's like yeah. oh my gosh this tiny thing like is almost like a time machine like i've had this relationship with this book for however long it took me to read it and then it also like transported my like me um uh, my attention um into whatever world it was it was painting for me in words and so i don't know when i close a book and i'm finishing a book that's like what i think of <laughs> it's like thank you book <laughs>
0: <laughs> is there a book you think of that like represents that best for you?
1: Um, it would be Linda Berry's credit. That would be the first thing what is that? That I would think of. So Linda Berry is an amazing, um, writer. She's really known for like comic books. Um, she's also a teacher. I think she's at university of Wisconsin. Um, she's mixed race. She's half Filipino. Um, but Credit is this book about a young protagonist, Roberta, who's like, just told that she's ugly all the time. Um, she, it's like, it's, it's a really intense book, but I read it at a time in my life where I kind of like needed that. And it's kind of like about searching for love and belonging. And there's a really messed up father figure. <laughs> all these things are happening um but it's not trying to like sugarcoat what it's like growing up like as a kid right and that there's like some very serious stuff Mm. that young people have to deal with and figure out and um choose how to show up or choose how to like survive it or or not like i think those are choices too
0: what do you hope happens when you die?
1: Hmm. So do you have atheists that come onto this podcast?
0: I mean, I, you know what, what's weird is I like, don't people's like belief, like whether someone's an atheist or not, doesn't tend to come up. Really? But I mean, I'm sure I have. (laughs) And like, I'm fully open to, I'm not like, (laughs) certainly not trying to ascend the ranks of Christian podcasting. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing. Uh, Yeah. so, So if it's like, I mean, the answer is as wide open as your actual hope.
1: Okay. What do I hope? will happen when i die um okay i'm gonna probably answer this three ways i would hope that when i die the things that i did in my life like help feed at least five generations forward even if it's not like known that i contributed to it um like,
0: like feed to feed. movement
1: not just feed not feed like yeah. like food but like movement stuff um, that I contributed to, like, like positive momentum or, like, something towards justice. And that there are people that I worked with in my life that, like, took something from, like, an interaction with me and carried it forward. Um,
0: Why, where'd you get Five from?
1: So there's an organization called Generation Five um, that, who has the goal? Well, okay, and then... It's like a, whenever I hear like indigenous folks talk about thinking about the future or like acting in the present, um, they tend to to talk about like thinking generations ahead. And so I'm trying to, I've tried to think through that too. And I was introduced in college to an organization called Generation Five, which has the goal of ending childhood sexual abuse in five generations. Um and that just level of planning and thinking and understanding of your role kind of like in the present, I think is really helpful, at least for me to think through like generations ahead, not just tomorrow. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. You said three ways.
1: Yeah. So that, like what will happen to the folks that are still here, like what's going to happen after I die. Um what I think, well, I guess what I think will happen is just my consciousness will blink out of existence and that'll just be that. (laughs) Um, What I hope will happen or what I wonder about is um, just these ideas of like, while we're living is when we can grow spiritually or not even just spiritually, like where we can grow as... um, entities that exist and then when we go back into like the unified consciousness or whatever it's like we we aren't able to grow at that at that point so then when you're when your spirit or whatever is ready to come back um, it's almost like your spirit chooses like to come back to be reborn as something mm-hmm. so I wonder if that's I, I I've heard people describe that that might be what's happening when we die. And then we're able to be reborn in some way. So that'd be, so is it the
0: sort of (laughs) idea that you're, that if that, if we're operating under that premise that you're currently put here to learn like a specific thing
1: or specific things or to grow as a, Mm -hmm. grow as a spiritual being. Do you know,
0: like, do you have a feeling of what that is right now? Like what, What, whatever your consciousness as part of the unified consciousness would have chosen, what does it feel like it chose to do here?
1: Well, I don't know if it's choosing to do something. I think it's choosing to live. And then whatever is Mm. happening is like maybe the thing that I need to be learning in this lifetime. Um, But in terms of like what I think that I'm learning (laughs) um, in this lifetime, um it's that's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I
0: mean it's a pretty big like yeah yeah, what are you learning in this lifetime is uh I,
1: I also <laughs> I also think that there's things that the way that folks talk about this and I'm not too sure if I believe it, but it's just interesting to think about. Is the like there are past lifetime traumas, and also like the trauma, like the wounds and traumas of like your physical ancestors that get passed on into your body and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so, it could be a part of my like presence here on earth right now at this moment to like help service or address like some of those past traumas and heal, heal some of those things. Um, I mean, it sounds
0: really egoless to think, to connect yourself so deeply to past and future generations.
1: Hey, that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Is that because
0: do you feel like you are naturally egoless or I really, I mean, I realize that's like, Kind of ask. I mean, you would have to be a little bit arrogant to be like, "Yeah, I'm pretty." I mean, it's you'd immediately contradict yourself by being like, "Yeah, I'm pretty naturally." (laughs) But like, is there? Does that come? Does that feel like it comes naturally, or do you choose that because it's a struggle?
1: Um, it definitely doesn't come naturally. I was Mm. like in existential crisis mode. As a child, basically.
0: <laughs> into... What was the crisis?
1: Um, so, like, what I was mentioning, right, in Credit, it was, like, a young person choosing whether or not to live or die, almost. I'm, like, kind of spoiling it. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> um, but – or just, like, thinking through, like, young people have to think through, like, super deep, heavy shit and sometimes have to do it almost on their own um, without, like, language for it. And so – I felt like I was really struggling with like, what am I supposed to be doing here? Like, what's my purpose Um, type of questions? Like, why am I suffering in these ways? (laughs) Like those Mm. types of things. Um, And so I remember, I think I was in college and I was like super depressed. Like I was struggling with depression and anxiety and everything. And I read um, Albert Camus, like myth of Sisyphus. Mm. And like one of the famous quotes from that book is like the only philosophical like debate is like whether or not you kill like is suicide basically? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, and in that book too, and I might be conflating things like who knows. Um, I understand it. And that's like good enough for me. I don't need all the <laughs> yeah. sources to be hundred um, percent. But basically like what I got out of that time period of my life where I was just focused, like, on I should try and do stuff before, you know, choosing to like end things, like uh, seizing the opportunity, like, okay, so I'm alive, like, that means that I have like some opportunities to do some things, right? Like, um, so I started reading a lot of books, and wanted to get to this point where I had like some kind of grasp, like around the existentialist stuff. And so in reading Myth of Sisyphus, some of the stuff that I got out of that was um, like, we make our meaning, if that yeah. makes sense, like, oh, yeah, we make our meaning, like there's no God to, to give us our meaning. Um, and that's not like a, a selfish egoist way of saying like, we make our meaning like, oh my gosh, like I'm my own God. Um, it's more so like I'm choosing to like value these things. I'm choosing to, like, do this work because, like, even if it might fail, even if it doesn't mean anything, like, for me, I am imbuing, like, these actions with, like, these values and this meaning. Um, and yeah, so I think that's where I'm coming from. And that's maybe why I'm thinking about, like, the future in a way that's not necessarily centered around me or, like, thinking of, like, the past in a way where I'm connected with other people still.
0: (laughs) I just want to take a quick second away from the interview to tell you about my newsletter and the fact that I do weekly fundraisers in it. The newsletter is called Hella Immaculate. In addition to the fundraisers, I share music. I share an essay on creativity or culture. But I also, every week, raise money for a different organization. We do people who are subscribed to the newsletter, which you can subscribe at thisisdavemar.com. This week, we are, we are in synchronicity because we are raising money for Liberation Library. So if you go to liberationlib.com and donate any amount of money to them, and then email me at thisisdavemar at gmail.com, or better yet, sign up for my newsletter at thisisdavemar.com, and reply to the newsletter, and let me know that you donated. And then next week, in the newsletter, I will post the amount of money we raised for Liberation Library. Sound cool? It's a way to do good as we are contemplating our mortality. I'm going to ask you to relive one memory. And the premise of this segment is based in the one-man show that I took this podcast from, where the premise of the show is lights go down, we're in the afterlife, turns out it was this theater, whatever else you guessed, this is it, guys. And I'm introducing people to different features of it. And one of those features, I say, is that in this afterlife, you get to completely relive one memory. So you have to choose one but it's not just in your head. You're like physically dropped down into it. You're not stuck there. It's just a memory you can revisit whenever you'd like. So if you had to choose, if that were true and you had to choose one memory, what memory would you choose?
1: Oh, that's easy. Really? Um, Yeah. So it's like the end of summer, I'm sitting on the couch with my grandmother and we're holding hands. How old are you? Might be 14. Mm-hmm. So there's like there was like this great big, big tree that was outside of our house. So the sun light like the sunbeams would be coming in through the tree. So it would be like dancing on the floor. It's afternoon light, so you know, it's that special kind of light and it's my grandmother holding my hand looking at my hand touching it and being like oh look at the difference like she's she's like looking at my hand and then flipping it over to her hand and she's like laughing to herself um, what was the difference oh she's like older and i'm you know young mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um and so yeah and so she was just holding my hand and then like holding it looking at it giggling to herself I just, I don't know. I felt very safe.
0: <laughs> Were you close to her?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Did she live with you?
1: Yes. She lived Really?
0: With Your whole life?
1: Um, Like since, like my mom built our house in 1994. So like since 1994. And then she passed, my grandmother passed away in that same room. <laughs> yeah, like a lot of stuff happened in that living room. Um, I grew up in a household full of women, all of them older. Like, my mom had me when she was basically 40. Um, and then my grandmother and this other older lady lived with us.
0: Who is the other older lady?
1: So we're Filipino. Like, I'm mixed race. I'm black and Filipino. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the Philippines, it's really messed up, but um, whatever. <laughs> it's really messed up. But um, if you have, like, a lot of kids in the Philippines and there's, like, too many mouths to feed or something, sometimes people will, like, trade their children um, to, like, households that can take on more kids. But they're basically, like, servants. And so mm. this older lady had been with my grandmother's family since they were kids. Wow. Um, but she was, like, a part of the family. Like, there's a honorific in... Tagalog's, like, nanai. So it's, like, this uh, this older person who, like, t- you know, who helps raise you. Um, so that was, like, her honorific in in Tagalog. And she had been with my grandmother's family and my mother's family for... I think she died when she was 78. So she had been with the family since she was a little kid.
0: Wow. that yeah, was your fucked
1: up. <laughs> I mean, it's... <laughs>
0: It's wild, but it's so foreign to me that it's hard to see as
1: fucked up. Does that make sense? Really? <laughs> I'm like embarrassed when I tell people. <laughs> really?
0: It just, it just sounds like one of those things that's like removed either by history or by culture that mm-hmm. I feel compelled to consider respectfully for some reason.
1: Yeah, and what's respectful about it is that other people in our family wanted to just send her back to the Philippines, but she has like no family. Like we were right. her family. Right. And so my mother was like, no, like just have her come to Chicago. And it was like basically her retirement. So it was like me, really little, with a lot of older people. <laughs> like I grew up with a lot of older people. Um And basically by the time I was in high school and college, we were basically taking care of like older people. Like it was caregiving. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And so this grandmother was your, was on the Filipino side.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm.
0: Was she giggly? Did she giggle a lot?
1: No, that's what was weird about it. So like my mother, my mother kind of took, After her mother and it was very cold type of upbringing (laughs) um or not cold but like their expression of love is like are you not dead are you fed (laughs) you know what I mean like (laughs) do you have clothes all right then you're good like it's not very lovey-dovey giggling hugs or anything um so yeah so that's what my grandmother was like but then towards the end when maybe she was just less stern or something um yeah, so then stuff like that would happen. So that must have happened like like one of the first times that she like did that for me to really remember it because like I really remember what it smelled like, you know, that there was like some dust in the air, the quality of the, the quality of the light, like it got imprinted on me when um she did that.
0: Because it was the first time she'd acted like this?
1: Maybe, or it was like the first time that I could really remember like her being really affectionate and giggly.
0: <laughs> yeah. And were there feelings other than safety that you had?
1: I mean, I felt warmth, held, like literally held.
0: Were you talking or was it just this this motion of flipping arms back and forth and saying look at the difference? Was it in the midst of a conversation?
1: No, that's what it was like we were just together like sitting I think I had just turned off the TV or something and we were just sitting together quietly.
0: That's so nice.
1: It really is. And the house was quiet. Like, yeah, it was really nice. Not much of a theater production, but it would just literally be somebody sitting on the couch with their
0: grandma. Dude, it would be a total theater production. Are you kidding me? That's like the end of a play for sure. (laughs) And not every theater production has to be mammoth, you know? this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Two people beautifully sitting, exchanging no words, just a bond. Mm -hmm. That's hella theatrical. (laughs) Six years ago, I was in a coma for a month and almost taken off life support. People thought I had died for a day and eulogized me on Facebook. Very dramatic moment. In my life, um, and it, things changed after that. And I'm just wondering if you have a moment—not necessarily that dramatic or that like crazy—but a moment where that that serves as like a, a clear dividing line, where it feels like something died. And something else was born.
1: Yeah, I think I had mentioned it earlier when I kind of chose to live, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, this is in college?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, where I chose to like to try.
0: (laughs) Right, so this is the midst of like a depression? Mm Mm-hmm had you suffered depression your whole life
1: up to that point
0: or did it yeah. kind of descend? Okay.
1: No. Yeah. I was like suicidal in middle school <laughs> and um like really depressed through most of my childhood or not even depressed. Like it's not just depression. It's almost like it was beat almost beaten into me or something, you know? How so? Um, so like I had some early childhood trauma stuff that, no one really talked to me about um and I couldn't verbalize it because I think a lot of it happened before I spoke um so yeah so there's like that uneasiness and then um this really deep need to be connected to like people or something and not being able to do that as a young person and feeling really rejected like by my by my mother and stuff so anyway so I think all of that like wore a groove that would then become depression <laughs> into my sure. brain, you know what I mean? Yeah. um so yeah, so when I was in like towards the end of college, like just being confronted with, okay, so now what am I supposed to do like i'm sp- wasn't I supposed to choose a career and <laughs> like have a future like it was very hard for me to imagine a future for myself. Um, that's when I just like was like, okay, I really for some reason, I really wanted to. Like, try to figure out what was going on, try to figure out how to do better, how to feel better. I think try to figure out how to feel better. So it wasn't a
0: particularly, like, suicidal moment. It was just a recognition of this persistent misery.
1: Yeah. And that it didn't need to be that way. Like, I was at that point where, like, wait a minute, I can make choices in my life you know like i'm supposed to be an adult now <laughs> like, like that kind of thing instead of feeling maybe more at the whi- like at the whims of adults or something were you fear. graduating
0: or just in the middle of college
1: um I think I was just in the middle of college probably having a crisis cuz I didn't know what my major should be or okay. something like that. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> be like why am I here? I don't want to be here.
0: <laughs> what flipped the switch? Was it a was it a flip switch or was it like a gradual like a dimmer?
1: Um I think that it was I think it was a dimmer. I think it was a dimmer and I saw that there was like um so I was like had no money had no job right I was going to college or I had a, like I don't know I didn't have a ton of money to like go to the doctor and stuff um so I saw a, uh, a like advertisement in the paper like in the student paper for like um what do you call it like, you get to be tested or something. Like oh, you can participate yeah, like research in studies. Yeah, research studies. Mm-hmm. And so the research study was like, yeah, we'll put you on an SSRI and, like, some double-blind drug or whatever. Um, So I was able to get, like, sertraline for, like, two years <laughs> as a part of the study. And I think that actually did help me at least <laughs> feel like there wasn't a giant pit in my chest. <laughs> But so at the same time, you're given a solution
0: before you even fully realize the problem, and you're like, "Hey, well, this no, no, solution no. is working."
1: No, no, I understood that I probably needed. I pro- I understood that I was probably depressed, and that antidepressants would be something that I should try out. But also trying to figure out how to do that, like without paying money, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, whatever they were giving me on top of it, I think it was a and that like. Made me odd, like so. I would have to go into the office to pick up, like the sertraline and like whatever the the dosage is of the Abilify. Like the the researcher doesn't know what the dosage is either, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's just like, you know, if you experience any side effects, just let us know. Um, and I was supposed to be a part of the control, so ha. <laughs> but um, so there was one time where they gave me the Abilify, and it was like. Um, like I had auditory hallucinations. It was amazing.
0: It was good auditory hallucinations. No, it was not good. It was very oh. bad.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Jesus. What, like voices or what?
1: Yeah, like voices. And so I was still, I was a commuter student. So I was staying at home. Um, and so I thought that my mother was talking to me. So I was like yelling back up, you know, upstairs, like, cause I thought she was in the bedroom and she's like, who are you yelling at? Like, why are you talking? And I'm like, you weren't just having a conversation with me right now. Yeah, it was amazing. Anyways, so that was kind wow. of <laughs> the, that was I think the moment um where maybe it wasn't 2 years, but it, I was on it for a while. But I think it was in that moment where I felt like I had enough energy to kind of figure out what to do next.
0: Yeah. Do you if you <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm very I like I I take meds too and I'm very interested in the idea of meds. Um but obviously want to leave the door open if you don't want to, uh, if you don't want to talk about it, but are you still on some medication?
1: So I'm not on an SSRI anymore.
0: Okay. But do you take anything for like mental illness or the depression or anything? No. Oh, wow. Did it feel like it, did it feel like it passed?
1: Um, I felt like it was what you had just described, right? Like there was a, there was that moment where a switch was flipped and for, for, I mean, I felt like it was a lot of work and I did it on my own and I'm not advocating that people do this on their own. Um, it was like that because I couldn't find a therapist, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Um, right? And like. I didn't have a lot of money to spend like $80 on a session or something. And I didn't have insurance at that point. Um, So like, it was a lot of like work and I definitely needed the drugs to like, not make me feel like I was drowning. Um, So I'm totally for like drugs for mental health. (laughs)
0: Like
1: I a hundred percent, like if you need that, then you should do it.
0: (laughs) It's weird. I like could not be more like anti- corporate and that's like the one thing where i'm like yo if you need this just take it don't Mm -hmm. tie to tie don't it doesn't need to be temporary you don't need to like eventually work toward getting off them but that's my own little like soapbox but okay what were the things that were like the positive things that were born from that like it sounds like you kind of got some clarity and a purpose and you talked before about like living according to a set of values you define for yourself. What were those things?
1: This is always a good question because really I should have it down to an elevator pitch almost, right? <laughs>
0: well, no, but I feel like the less you have it down to like a soundbite, the more it's probably I always That's find real. when I create soundbites of things that they then have been like crystallized and they disappear.
1: Mm-hmm. Whereas
0: like the other stuff like stays in your body and- and you keep living it.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel a lot of like my values and morals in my body. Um, I think that was like a part of the issue, <laughs> the depression maybe. But I would say I really believe in like self-determination and autonom- uh, like almost autonomy for young people and for anybody really, um, but especially for young folks and for people that are like in a situation where they have Shitty choices that they have to make and just honoring that, honoring whatever those choices are that folks make.
0: The heavy lifting is done. (laughs) I have one, a one question lightning round for you. Okay. Which is just, I'm going to ask you to kill one small thing.
1: Uh Uh-huh
0: one small thing in everyday life or in culture that you would be happy to just see completely disappear.
1: I would say landlords. Okay. Yeah. They can go. Why? Um, They literally don't benefit society in any way at all. (laughs) Their way of making money is literally just like, Sitting and collecting rent <laughs> like how is that contributing to any anything or anybody
0: it seems like a sweet gig though a little bit
1: well yeah it's sweet if you can do it yeah well not even though not even because like what happens if you get like a squatter or a person who refuses to pay and then trashes your property
0: no of course and like, the <laughs> maintenance and upkeep and shit so you're doing them a favor too is what you're saying yeah what would you do with this this out of work class of landlords? What would you what work would you out
1: do? Out of work? They haven't have worked.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm saying though. They're like they're these bunch of landlords, just landlord zombies wandering the streets. They don't know what to do with themselves. What do you put them to work doing?
1: Ah, uh, that's not for me to decide. <laughs> they should have been more fiscally responsible with their rights that they collected. <laughs> they could figure that out. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to the show. Don't pay your rent. Cancel rent forever. I'm still learning about property and rent theory in socialism. So I'm I'm only about like two thirds joking, but I'm pretty soon that will just be a sincere statement on my part. Follow liberation library at liberation live on Twitter and Instagram You can go to their website, liberationlib.lib.com. You can follow me everywhere at thisisdavemar. If you donate to Liberation Library, email me at thisisdavemar at gmail. And if you've made it this far and you fucking love the show, go to patreon.com slash davemar. Hit me with a few bucks and you will get some cool shit. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.